oh shoot, all of this printing is causing more problems. That's when I really started to shift away from everything else, start selling everything off and then focus on Bitcoin only. You know, I learned my lessons uh, the hard way. What's your most controversial Bitcoin take? Man, you stumped me on that one. My first question is usually why Bitcoin, but uh, you're my first author that actually wrote a Bitcoin book uh, on the podcast. So I want to start the question uh, today. What inspired you to write a book about Bitcoin? It's a great question. Um, I, I got into Bitcoin in 2018 and uh, from 2018 to 2020, 2021, you know, I, I was like, I was content kind of a uh, shit posting on Twitter on X. Yeah. Um, I started writing a few articles for Bitcoin Magazine, the more I started to understand it, but I really didn't have a desire to be an author per se uh, until I had the idea for the book, um, History Echoes Bitcoin. And once I had that idea that all of these different properties are coming together in one single protocol, that the world has been kind of yearning throughout history for these different properties that Bitcoin expresses. Um, once I had that kind of realization, it almost forced itself uh, i was kind of compelled to to write it at that point maybe quickly summarize the book for the people who don't know what it is or did not read it by now like what is it about so history echoes bitcoin is uh it was an attempt to reach uh normies for lack of a better word uh in a non-technical way not so much what is bitcoin but more of why bitcoin and really to zoom out from a historical perspective, you know what I'm saying, uh, to see that the different properties, permissionlessness, uh, decentralization, censorship resistance, all of these different properties that it expresses, each one has been important throughout history. Humans have been wanting to have a system where they don't have to always ask permission. They don't want to be censored, you know. Um, so what I did is take five episodes from history, either examples or non-examples, for each of those properties, uh, for, each, for each chapter. And then um, I rarely talk about Bitcoin. I'll, I'll sprinkle some Bitcoin in throughout, uh, but not until the end, so that the reader will kind of see that, oh, permissionlessness, that's valuable throughout history. Um, decentralization has been valuable throughout so that when you get to the end, you see this kind of like arc of history, all of these different properties kind of coming together in this one simple protocol. So if the reader agrees with me that each of those have been valuable throughout history, then once you get to the end, it's kind of an easy sell. Bitcoin may not fix this, but Bitcoin incentivizes this. It makes all those properties come to life. It gives people what they've been yearning, th yearning for throughout history. Yeah, this is also what I really liked about the Bitcoin standard itself, uh, the book from Savadini Moose, because it's not a super technical uh, book where like I think the first uh, half of the book, it doesn't even mention Bitcoin a lot. Like it's just about the history of money and why it's important. And I love those books because you can give those books to people who are not in the Bitcoin bubble. And, and uh, Price Kamara did the same thing. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Booth, right? Yeah, he rarely he talked about it in the last chapter. Yeah, and it's it's so Agreed. important to to come outside of of our Bitcoin bubble also uh, to like we we are having maybe sometimes in like echo chamber uh, where we are mm -hmm. talking to each other and making us uh, each other feel good about Bitcoin, and we have to break out more and more. Um, it, of, well, 
there is a there is value to that being in that uh, it's like um, iron sharpens iron. You know, us bantering back and forth about waxing philosophical on Bitcoin, it helps each other um, kind of focus our efforts. But you're absolutely right. We need to go outside of that. Uh, we need to reach the normies, reach the other 99% of the world that just doesn't know yet uh, all the benefits of Bitcoin, not just the number go up, but the freedom go up. Yeah. In, in your book, you, as you said, you uh, explored the relationship between the Bitcoin properties and historical events. What would be the most important historical event and how does it reflect on, on, on Bitcoin? See, uh, that's interesting because I didn't find one historical event that just really said, oh, this is it. Um, as I was researching, I, I was actually having a hard time taking episodes in history and finding which chapter would it work best in. Um, because a lot of them, censorship resistance, immutability, they kind of overlap. You know what I mean? Uh, to me, though, uh, to kind of sidestep your question, it's this, this, the greatness of it is in the combination of them all. All of the properties working together in concert is, is the sweet spot. Because as you might have uh, paid attention to or learned from the last so many years, all of these other altcoins or anything else, they might have one property or they'll say, but this other thing is better. And what we've learned, hopefully we've learned, is that it's not just about one or the other, like trying to tweak the dial on one at the expense of others. It's, it's the mixture of all of these together that really um, give it its value. So it was not uh, that you had troubles finding events. It was more like there were too many events you can uh, compare Bitcoin properties to. You know, I, I kind of, you, you could consider it cherry picking uh, because yeah, there were so many different events and <clears throat> I try to make it um, a bite-sized book, like you were mentioning, something accessible uh, to a non-Bitcoiner. And I could have easily made it, you know, a tome. I could, <laughs> I could have added 10 episodes. And so I, I had more, I did more work on the um, singling it down to just five per chapter. And, and that's, that's really important because uh, we, we sometimes have the a tendency to make things bigger and larger and more complex, yeah. also to, to look more intelligent and stuff like that. Uh, but the true beauty, uh, I come from software development and uh, mm. the true beauty also in software development comes from finding not a lot of lines of code. So that's why it makes no sense to, to, to uh, pay a software developer for the lines of codes he makes. It's for the lines of codes he can delete like make it smaller, make it more elegant, make it should do the same thing, but with less uh, code sizes. And I think um, information should also be like that. It should be only the, the, the information that is actually necessary and brings the point home with not missing out on anything. And that's a yeah, really totally hard task. It's, it's interesting because you come from software. I come from education. I'm in my music classroom. I teach, uh, pre-kindergarten pre through fourth grade music right now. And uh, it's similar. You know, I have an audience that's attention span is like that. You know what I mean? Um, so when I'm talking to other Bitcoiners, I can elaborate. I can go on. I, you know, I can, I can really dig in and have the, and I love those deep philosophical conversations. But in here, I have to bring it down to the very bare minimum. What is the essential 
element that I'm trying to convey. And uh, that I tried to approach that with the book the same way. So the kids, kindergarten, elementary school, so they're really young. Uh, was it like six years? Stuff like six up to 10-ish. Yeah. Five to 11, depending. Yeah. Uh, when you step in the kids' shoes now and see the world maybe changing with Bitcoin in like when they are 50, when they are 40, 50, 60 years old, how will Bitcoin change maybe their mindset even uh, compared to people are, that are now 50 years old? Like how has Bitcoin such an historical impact on on the world that uh, it will be looked differently from the perspective of the, uh, them in 40 years? I would like to hope that the benefit comes in, in from a shift in time preference. Um, I do, I, I, I do believe, I'm sure you're in the camp that believes that the fiat mindset leads to high time preference. 100%. Uh, yeah. So if Bitcoiners are right, and I have no reason to believe we're not in that time preference, uh, the, the system that we're in incentivizes um, our actions, then a system that incentivizes low time preference would lead to people living a low time preference mindset. And I, that builds generational wealth, that builds, um, it, it takes away um, the need for immediacy and knee-jerk reactions. Um, and I see that kind of prevalent in society, not just in society, but also in my classroom, obviously they're kids, but um, hopefully they'll be able to have attached on to that idea of like understanding what is low time preference, why is it valuable? and start living that life. And so you think that uh, Bitcoin could be a historical event, like you looked back at historical events and when authors and, and researchers are looking in 50 to 100 years back on the, uh, in the history of what happened in the last 100, 200 years, they are also looking, oh, 2009, Satoshi Nakamoto, the white paper, uh, what happened there? Um, that's, that's an interesting thought that we, uh, becomes what we think it becomes. We are living, uh, through a, a founding era of a new financial revolution. And this is something, um, I'm, I'm struggling to imagine that we are actually so, uh, uh, blessed to be right now, right here. Absolutely. I, I agree a hundred percent. I look, I kind of look forward to that in, in my twilight, you know, you say 50 years from now, I hope to be alive in 50 years from now. I'd be 96. So yeah, I'm gonna make it 100. Um, I look forward to seeing that. Um, that'll be my grandchildren, right? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that that is my hope. Low time preference. There, I'm sure there's a ton of other ways we could take that, but to me, that that permeates all of society. Yeah, low time preference is for for me also the the fundamental uh, base layer. What what drives in bitcoin on mind like this is like the longer they are in bitcoin uh i see the shift in their mindset I, sh i see that they are a little bit more relaxed they are a little bit more focused also they're they're getting uh, there's something happening in their minds for sure uh, and i just I, noticed that I, I i can i mean i can see that also in others but i definitely saw it in myself um i've You know, I, so I'm 46, 
maybe there's just a level of maturity from your 30s to your 40s to whatever. I'm sure there is, but there was a stark change once the once the orange pill really took hold in me. And I, I've I've personally been more focused, um, less worried about material things in life. Let, I anymore. I don't even worry about not worry. Um, I put less value on money in terms of like income or whatever, and more value on my time. I, I value my time more. So uh, just just in that one instance, uh, Bitcoin's given me a completely different perspective. So Bitcoin changed also you in your life. Did writing a Bitcoin book change your view about Bitcoin? It helped me sharpen uh, sharpen my uh, my message. I, my view of Bitcoin, it, it's continuously evolving, <clears throat> as I'm sure everybody's is. Um, the more you the more you learn, the more you want to learn. The more you realize you don't know, <laughs> the more you learn. You know what I mean? Uh, so um, it's just made me more interested in understanding different aspects and different uh, potential outcomes from the system. Hmm. Next to the book, you also recently started a YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. I think it was uh, in November, like it really, really recently. Yeah. Uh, so what what made you do that? Uh, making first a book that it's like a, a long uh, thing you long read. Thing. It's like a, a high entry, a high barrier of entry for people. And now you're making YouTube shorts. Like that's the... the the other That's spectrum, a... I think, <laughs> of 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 the attention span and uh, the format of of, of the, the medium, like what made you do the the whole whole spectrum? Well, uh, when I wrote the book, I was I, I was on the mindset that hey, I'm going to try and do an introductory book and kind of make it accessible for the average person, and I feel like I I accomplished that in in a way, but. <clears throat> I kind of kept on that path and I kind of jumped past uh, a lot of steps, but um, I'm noticing, like we discussed earlier with attention spans, the majority of the population has a very short attention span. Um, the majority of the population, uh, their reading level has declined over the past so many decades. So in the book, I did get a little um, verbose, a little wordy at times. And that's just my natural style. But I, I told myself, if what, what is the goal? The goal is to reach more people. And if more people are not at that level or not at that ability to maintain attention, then I need to meet them where they're at. Just like in my class, you know, I could talk. I'd love to just sit and uh, jam on jazz theory, but elementary kids aren't going to get it, right? So I got to come down to their level. So um I'm trying to reach the people where they're at with the YouTube shorts. It's zoom out 21. Uh, like you said, shorts, they're a minute long. And you have in, in trying to make some, make one small concept of Bitcoin in a minute, my, my language had to get much simpler. And it, it's, it's helped me, like I said before, sharpen my ax. Um, so when I go up to somebody, cause like in the past, Somebody asked me about Bitcoin. Gosh, I am going off about 21 million. I'm going off about uh, the difficulty adjustment. I'm going off about mining. I'm going off on all these Austrian economics and I've already lost it and they're not interested anymore, right? 
So it, it's all about, like I said, meeting them where, where they're at, giving them bite-sized chunks. Is, do you see a shortened attention span uh, as a problem or is it just something natural to occur? Is it something that occurs because of the feared world? Is it because yeah, we have digitalization? Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of factors, but I think it comes back to that time preference. It comes right back to time preference because if you're uh, that rat on the wheel going faster and faster to get closer to the cheese, <laughs> you know, you don't have time to stop and look at a, read a long form book or listen to a long form podcast. That's the um, incentives of the fiat mindset of the fiat system playing itself out in society, or I believe. Uh, sometimes I also think that um, the short time span uh, makes it easier to spread, I, I say, bullshit news to it. <laughs> uh, because if you only read the uh, headlines and uh, more and more people read only headlines and not uh, not try to critical uh, understand uh, topics, they, of course, they think that Bitcoin eats a lot of energy. Of course, people think that Bitcoin is volatile and does not is not a good currency for us because they only hear this those small sizes and they don't do the work and actually dive into that. How can we, like, how will Bitcoin change that? Or can Bitcoin change that? I mean, the hope is yes. Um, I mean, it's kind of like uh, uh, feeding someone a steak. You don't shove the entire steak in their mouth. You got to cut it down to bite size. And after they have that taste, they're like, I want to come back for more. So in that, my thought is in, in the YouTube channel that I do the shorts and then I'll also have a long form down the road to where I can, you know, link it, um, put a card on the end to where it's like, if you're interested in learning more, I'm taking a deeper dive. Um, but you talk about orange, you talk about orange pills. It's like, how big is the orange pill? You know, <laughs> you want something that you're going to be able to swallow or like, uh, Knut said, Uh, take the orange pill now or the suppository later, right? So you want to give you want to give them a, a a small enough orange pill um, to try and tie them in, to try and draw them in. If you see all the historical events, uh, how long will it be that fear is a historical event, or, or, or will will it ever be um, uh, something that actually? Uh, is a thing of the past. I'm going to butcher the phrase, but what, what's that phrase? Um, like we overestimate, we underestimate. Uh, no, we overestimate what we can do in a year and we underestimate what we can do in 10 years. I think you would wanted to say. Exactly. That's exactly right. Thank you. Um, I, I mean, I think that's the simple answer to that. Uh, I, I'd like to think that actually, no, um, I've kind of got, I've kind of switched on that, you know, As a Bitcoiner, looking forward to hyper-Bitcoinization, you know, is it going to be in one, five, ten years or something like that? But if you think about trading and if you look at charts, if you see a huge run-up in price, that's usually followed by a huge retracement, right? A crash um, versus a chart that goes up, forms a base, goes up, forms a base. So that's more sustainable over time. So as much as I'm yearning for hyper-Bitcoinization, sooner than later. I think it's better societally for that slow build. Uh, so we have less 
heartache, for lack of a better word, uh, throughout society. So if it takes 50 years, it takes 50 years. If it takes 100, I mean, we may not see it, but if we're laying the groundwork, if we're planting the seed and we're not going to see the tree fully grown, I mean, I, I got to be okay with that. I'm okay with that. It's, so, uh, the, there's an interesting question coming up in my mind. What What is Bitcoin success look like? Does fiat has to fail in order for Bitcoin to be a complete success? That's a good question. Um, I just made a video that kind of went along with, with that. Um, I don't think it has to. It's like, my question was, how, how can you kill Bitcoin? And it was, and, and it was more of a joke that you can't. It's like, take the dollar, make it a stable currency, make it so a few can't control, you know, the supply, you know, take off all the permissions and all that. And it's like, oh wait, you end up with Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> it, you know, all, go through all of those steps. But um, the thing is, if it changes, if Bitcoin ends up changing the behavior of fiat, like maybe it gets to the point where the people that control fiat realized, oh shoot, all of this printing is causing more problems and causing us to lose market share or whatever. Maybe we need to change. You know, Bitcoin, Bitcoin's not going to change. Bitcoin doesn't care, right? It's going to keep doing what it's doing. So it's a forcing function on the other systems. And since the other systems are controlled by humans that are fallible, most likely they're going to be the ones that have to adapt. Interesting. Did you experience with uh, other stuff than Bitcoin, with uh, altcoins? Uh, yeah. With uh, and are you now Bitcoin only? Yes. Now, um, I I got I I went through the BlockFi thing. Um, early on, I was like even like 2020, I was in my mind all about decentralization, and at the I hadn't really researched deeply enough, so I was also in the Ethereum. I was. I even like set up my own uh, staking node and all that. And it took forever to unstake um, and sell and convert, but I'm finally past that. Um, but yes, I, I did that from 2018 through 20, almost 2021. At 2020, in, in the year 2020, when we had the big crash, that's when I really started to shift away from everything else, start selling everything off and then focus on Bitcoin only. But You know, I learned my lessons uh, the hard way. Luckily, I learned them earlier than later. Luckily, I learned them at all. You know what I mean? <laughs> But yes, I'm Bitcoin only now. Why Bitcoin only? From the things we talked about earlier, I mean, it, it can't be manipulated. It can't be controlled. It, it is what it is. Um, It's the only it, thing that's decentralized, actually. You mean that's it's sufficiently decentralized. It's it's a beacon of truth. Um, literally everything else, Ethereum or CBDCs or stable coins or whatever, they're just a digital recreation of the current system. Like yeah. throw NFTs in there, you know, it, it, there's just like a lot of online gambling. It's just a, a digital form of gambling. And Bitcoin represents the truth, whereas everything else is just a facsimile. A digital representation it's also funny to me because uh, people try to do video games on some decentralized currencies and it's a really inefficient way to store data a blockchain like blockchain has 
for me no reason to exist other than Bitcoin. I just had somebody tell me that yesterday on a call. You know, I'm, I'm, talk, I'm getting a lot more calls now that the price is going up. Like, what is, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I, I love this Bitcoin idea. So I want to diversify into blockchain. And I, I said exactly what you just said. It, it doesn't serve me perfect. It's actually inefficient. Why have a blockchain when you can have some database or an Excel, a shared Excel spreadsheet, right? Yeah. It's a complete red flag for me nowadays when someone says, oh, I'm not that excited about Bitcoin, but blockchain I'm really interested in. <laughs> I'm like, what is one application next to Bitcoin? And it's it's also always fasc fascinating. I don't know if you ever tried it. If someone comes up to you like in real life and uh, a relative to you or something like that, and they tell them, oh, I'm really interested in blockchain, but not about Bitcoin. And then you ask them, okay, uh, besides from Bitcoin, is there any use case or what use cases are there for a blockchain? And then they have usually one or two examples. I usually have a 30 seconds to 50 seconds explanation why this does not make sense. And I'm blessed that I'm also a software developer so I can uh, explain it also on a technical level. Uh, and then they're like, oh, interesting. Because most people like blockchain, it's it's similar than all the other passwords. And they doesn't they don't make sense for everything. And they're just throwing it around. And they if, if you dig deeper, like most people have, have no clue about uh, what blockchain actually is. And uh, that it only makes sense for, for Bitcoin, at least for in, in my sense. And a lot of times what they know about blockchain is the same thing they know about Bitcoin, which is a chart. <laughs> They're looking at a chart and they think, oh, maybe it's like a higher low or, ooh, it had, it's retraced so much. So now it's a, a value buy, you know, it's something like that without actually knowing what it is, like you just said. Um, I find that a lot of times that most people's understanding of Bitcoin or interest in Bitcoin is purely um, directly related to the price. I mean, I mean, to, be, I mean to be fair, they don't hear anything else because if you see mainstream media, uh, they either report on some uh, FUD, like the the pool and just the water pools and the transaction thing. Yeah. Uh, there's, a, there's some great things out there. Uh, but other than that, it's usually, oh, Bitcoin went up 2x. Oh, Bitcoin crashed 60%. And this is what people read in the mainstream media. And of course, this is only the, the, the only thing they got in your in the head. And it goes back to the whole high time preference kind of idea. When you look at a whatever news station, you see the ticker go across the bottom, right? It, 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 it's not, it's the price, but it's not like, oh, this person in this authoritarian regime is now free from control because, you know, they're not going to write, they're not going to write that in the ticker as it goes across. They're just going to put the price and that's what people see. So because they only have that split second to kind of grab their attention. But that that would be amazing if this big can feed those many people in that country because they're no longer object to <laughs> uh, that, that would be actually to save this many uh you know this many people from a cold winter you know this could actually be an uh, uh more more of a story that bitcoin miners help uh balance the power grid Uh, because they can turn it off and on and, and like work with the governments to like, okay, 
there we have a peak. We settling down our Bitcoin miners for eighty percent, but we get uh, credits for that. Uh, I think this, those news will come out more and more. It will be interesting to see. What like maybe another question? I don't know if if you have an opinion on that, but it just came to my mind. Um, why is most of the media designed like it is designed? Uh, most mainstream media when you click through it and I don't do it anymore so I don't think it has changed but uh, but why is it uh, designed uh, like that or is it like that I think it's um, I mean not to get too you know I'll just say it, it just seems like that they're all um, suckling from the power teat if you if you will you know what I mean <laughs> Um, and it's not so much an intellectual conversation as these people are paying me or this advertisement or, you know, this corporation is saying this. So therefore, um, if I want to be, uh, powerful or if I want to have fame or whatever, I'm going to say what they're saying. And it's, it's not so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? it's it's not so much intellectual honesty it's it's just kind of going with the flow virtue signaling of sorts right you're now uh, what's 46 years old you said yes sir uh so our fiat system when we take 1971 is what 52 years old now so you uh almost lived through the whole uh fear cycle except the first what like five to ten years yeah did, did did what did what uh changes do you uh saw in the last let's see uh, 35 40 years uh because uh, if you're 46 and with six years old you probably did not look that closely at the world but uh, in the last 30 to 45 years uh, in media with uh, the monetary system, what was was happening uh, changes wise? You, you you think? You know, it's funny because I, growing up, I did not have any interest. As most young kids don't have interest interest in the financial system. And if yeah. I met a teenager that was really interested, I'd almost be like, "What's wrong with you?" You know, what I, mean? <laughs> um, I only recently have been paying attention in the last five to ten years. Like about, I'd say about 10-ish years ago, I started learning more about investing and started learning more about like macroeconomics. And only in the last five or so years about Bitcoin. And that's, that's when, so everything before that was just embedded in me as normal. Like you said, I didn't grow up in a different system. I've, I've grown up in the system my whole life. So nobody pays attention to something that's just always been there. You know, it kind of goes out of your focus. It's like you know, people don't people don't see the nose on their face because they're not focused on it because it's been there the whole time, right? Yeah, Until I don't you know. And try and focus on it. I don't know where I heard it. Uh, I I cannot remember where I heard it. There was this experiment with uh, monkeys. They were like in a cave, and they were uh, on a mountain. There were some bananas up, and they were going up, and they can grab the bananas and going down. But then they started, whenever they tried to go up there, uh, they just washing them down with uh, water. So they always had like a, a bad experience when they tried to go up there. 
and the first tried it and the second tried it, the third tried it. And then they all settled down and said, oh, okay, we're not going up there because every time we're going up there, we are getting uh, squashed back by the water. And then they start um, changing out the monkeys. Like first one, he tried it and got pulled back and so on and so forth. It got so weird that even the monkeys that were in there uh, attacked the monkeys that tried to go up there because they tried to warn him. And uh, at the, they made the experience so long till uh, uh, they did not have to wash them down anymore because the monkey hindered, uh, uh, hindered them on going up. And in the end, they, they changed all the monkeys and not one of the monkeys had actually a bad experience going up the mountain and getting the banana, but nobody did it because they had it in their brain. So they could actually just go up, um, but not one of the monkeys actually had the experience themselves. And this is, goes back to what you said a little bit, when you're just in the system for a long time and you just... Uh, I, I in there and fiat system is normal for you and like okay two till ten percent inflation is actually maybe even a good thing. Uh, you don't question that that much. You're just like oh two percent inflation. It's, uh, it's supposed to be a good thing. If everybody tells you that a long time, like you you take it as it is. Well, that's that's interesting. I'd love to. I I, I geek out on those kind of things. So I'd love to see that study. Uh, that kind of reminded me of a similar study with a different purpose. But uh, there's a video you can find on YouTube, I'm sure, where um, they have people like dancing, you know, and everything. And, you, and the people and, and the study was, you know, people just watch dancing. And then afterwards, they ask you, like, what did you see out of the ordinary? And nobody saw anything out of the ordinary. Oh, yeah. But when you rewind it and go slow-mo, in the back, there's like a guy in a the monkey thing is what got it. But the guy yeah. in the monkey suit bouncing like a red ball walking <laughs> through this. And the thing is. To me, that's more about like, in addition to what you're saying, it's also about the focus. It's, like you said, on the news, they're not focusing on this thing going on back here. They're trying to uh, distract you with all the information up here. So whether it's purposeful or they're incentivized to do it, I guess in this, in this conversation, Bitcoin is like that guy in the monkey suit in the back. It's like, he's there, but nobody can see it because their, their focus is somewhere else. They're, yeah. they're sitting here thinking everything is okay. Yeah, that's one hundred percent, one hundred percent true. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I saw it also. I think a lot on on social media. This experiment, like, uh, first uh, you you see the video, and then in the last frame, did you notice the giant big monkey? And then you go back and like, oh shit, the, the monkey was actually there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, coming back to the book. What main takeaway, like if the, if the reader can only uh, take one takeaway from the book, what would it be? Like what's the main takeaway from, uh, they should take away from the book? Bitcoin is not only historically relevant, but it's a culmination of human ingenuity working towards solutions of a lot of different aspects all the different properties hmm. that's beautiful well, thank you i like it 
Again, try, trying to get it down to that bite-sized chunk, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's really good. So you've done the book. You are now with the YouTube channel active. You're on X active. Uh, what's next for you personally? You also have the elementary school. Uh, so like you also juggle a lot of different things. What's um, next for you personally? We also, uh, I co-host Lincoln Land Bitcoin in Springfield, Illinois. So we have monthly meetings there. Um, What is it, Lincoln? Lincoln Land. So uh, Abraham Lincoln, historical figure, is from from this area. I actually used to live right down the road from New Salem where he grew up. So a little nod to him. Um, We have the picture of uh, Dorian Nakamoto with an Abe Lincoln hat as our uh, logo. So love that. Uh, but I do Lincoln Land Bitcoin also. Um, I'm currently exploring a, a career, a side hustle, if you will, in consulting, because I do believe that as we continue, there, there's going to be a certain amount of the population that doesn't want a BlackRock Bitcoin. You know, they don't want the possibility of being rug pulled. Uh, there's going to be people that want to be self-sovereign still, and they won't have the either the time or the expertise to really understand that. I'm not trying to be a custodian or anything. I don't want to provide any financial advice because that's not my jam. Uh, but I do want to get into start like suggesting, well, here's, here's what you have. Maybe we should do a hardware wallet or maybe we should run a node or, you know, kind of help walk them through that and help them set that up. Um, there's a lot of Bitcoiners. I'm in a telegram group, a Bitcoin consultants network that, we're having those conversations like what will that look like uh, it was started by ben dewall i don't know if you're familiar with him so there's a, a bitcoin telegram group about uh, bitcoin consultants uh, trying to help people on board on bitcoin so absolutely absolutely so uh, that that's going there's going to be a need for that or that's what i believe and also working towards that there's definitely a need for that. I recently spoke, I think my second podcast guest, uh, it, it was uh, uh, Tony uh, from the Bitcoin Way. If you heard about them, they're also doing uh, some, some similar thing. And they recently were joined by Rick, who lost 25 Bitcoins. Uh, the, the, there's uh, this guy who lost 25 Bitcoin. It was really... Uh, all over X, at least on my feed for like one, two days. And he uh, got into self-custody then, got into the whole uh, sphere. And then uh, the Bitcoin way helped him. And uh, he joined now the Bitcoin way because now because of that uh, incident, he got educated and he's one of the next guests uh, I'm interviewing. And this will be uh, amazing because I want to make one episode with like him, I will do it uh, where I can send people and say, okay, I interviewed this guy who lost 25 Bitcoin. He will be joined by Tony, also a consultant in the in the sphere with uh, Bitcoin uh, onboarding. And there we can make a really nice uh, um, one hour, two hours, half an hour, whatever it takes um, episode what can you do in self-custody? What's uh, best for you? I think there's still uh, a need for individual service, uh, but it's also important that the information is just out there for free. Well, uh, and in, in that too, um, <clears throat> education is key. Because of all the FUD, most people 
they there is either no information that they have or this small information they have, as we said before, is wrong. Um, I'm also working with a group um, led by a Red Tail Hawk, if you're familiar, uh, developing kind of like a um, curriculum, uh, homeschool curriculum for Bitcoin. And I've noticed there's a few of them out there, but uh, really trying to find a nice, easy package for the homeschooler. Uh, in Bitcoin education, um, that's going to, I think there's, there's going to be a need from that going forward. I mean, and I'm, I'm speaking as a public educator, you know what I mean? Um, I, I support homeschooling and, uh, what's your thoughts on, on homeschooling? Because I think it's, uh, correlates a lot with Bitcoin. Like I see a lot of Bitcoiners are a huge proponent of homeschooling. And I think homeschooling is also a market that was grow, is growing a lot, especially since 2020. Uh, what are you talking about? I, so <clears throat> my classes range from about, like I've had as large as like almost 30 in a class. And I've had some classes, it's just, you know, less kids in a year and it down into the high teens. And I guarantee you, I get more, I go deeper and get more accomplished with a smaller group. So if that's the case, uh, you know, and you have a, 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 a smaller ratio of teacher to students, you, ha you have more ability to really help them grow at an exponential rate. So if I could have the time and the resources to teach my two kids, I'd take it in a second. You know what I mean? So um, it'd be interesting to see homeschool develop to where it can be a smaller and smaller group. The way we're set up right now, it's just it's how it is. You're going to get your 20 to 30 kids in a class. So I, I could see a benefit being more local, <clears throat> uh, being smaller group, and you can provide more and better direct care for their needs. Mm. Also, their desires and their likes and preferences, right? As much as I love teaching music, not everybody in here is going to be a musician, you know. Um, and even if they are, they're gonna they're gonna have wide range of styles. Like if I had a smaller group, I could figure out what they like, and I could uh, help them grow. If they're going to be a software designer, you know, I can get them coding and their curriculum while they'll still get their math and reading and everything. You can make it maybe more uh, software development, more code.org or whatever, you know what I'm saying, early on. So um, the personalization is, is a huge component of homeschooling. Yeah, I saw a video the other day uh, where Elon Musk um, did homeschooling for his kids with some of the neighbor kids. And I researched about it, and it's actually a thing that small neighborhoods that understand each other well, have a lot of different, uh, similar aged uh, kids are getting together and making homeschooling um, a community project amongst like five, three, seven households. And this is a, I, I just love the thought that uh, the private households come together and say, okay, he is really good in, in math. He's like, uh, and make it uh, personalized and, and, and smaller. I mean, If, if there are the more kids, then the personalization it gets lost, <laughs> and it would be maybe the same in the, as in the in the school. But uh, I like the the idea of homeschooling. 
So we having uh, Andrew Dean at the podcast where the previous guest asked a question for the for the next guest. And I just love that, uh, <laughs> that Andrew Dean because it always has some, some interesting questions. Um, and we did not touch on that actually. Uh, and it's a Bitcoin question. What's your most controversial Bitcoin take? Uh, that Bitcoin take most Bitcoiners might disagree with. Hmm. Um, that's a good one. I could, uh, I could go with the ETFs are good for Bitcoin, lowercase b, bad for Bitcoin, uppercase b. But I think uh, as you dig into that, more Bitcoiners will agree with that than not. Man, you stumped me on that one because uh, I, 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 I'm starting to see, and maybe more Bitcoiners are seeing this now that the whole, you know, most people won't own a UTXO. <laughs> um, I, I'm start, I, I've been listening to a few podcasts that have really started to describe that, and I'm starting to switch to understanding why that's important. And it, even if we're on, if we move more people to Lightning Network, it's like they're owning a shared UTXO. So um, I don't know how controversial that is, though. Like, yeah. I, I can see it happening. I don't know the solution. So I'm just kind of keeping an open mind and trying to listen. But um, I got my UTXO. I got to consolidate a little bit. But uh, there was going to come a point in time where base chain is no longer the solution for the majority of the population. I mean, it also depends on what, like, there are, Bitcoin is, is now so big that there are different groups of Bitcoiners. Uh, there's like a privacy crowd, uh, there's uh, like with UTXO, uh, there are different kind of crowds also on the uh, sides of, uh, maybe there's like more the, the Cypher Dean uh, uh, approach to like why Bitcoin, there, there are Bitcoiners, they say fiat will die in the next five to 10 years. Uh, there are Bitcoiners say, no, no, fiat will at least go 100 years, 200 years, like, there, I heard so many different uh, opinions on, on so many different uh, uh, topics, and I, I guess it also uh, depends on where, wh for what group of Bitcoiners it would be controversial. <laughs> okay, <all right. laughs> so um, where can people find you uh, the best? Where can people uh, get in contact with you? Uh, what is the best place to, to get in touch with you? I would say Twitter X um, at Tim underscore Niemeyer underscore N-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R. Uh, zoom out 21. Uh, uh, Lincoln Land Bitcoin. And also uh, History Echoes Bitcoin. I've got all the links in my personal um, account. Uh, that would probably be the, that's the, where I spend most of my time. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. Thank you. I appreciate the time. I appreciate the conversation.